This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wednesday, October 11th, 2017 NBA edition of On the Daily, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio. I'm Matt LaMarca, who you can find on Twitter at Matt LaMarca, and I'm joined tonight by Vince Long, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake. Uh, Vince is going to be a regular contributor at Rotoviz this year, and he's going to be with me every Wednesday on the podcast this season. Nick, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, I already messed your name up. Vince, <laughs> how's it going? I can go by Nick, man, that's fine. Whatever. Oh man, uh, I, everything's good. Just uh, getting down to the nitty gritty one last week, and until it all starts, and life's a blur for what twenty weeks or something like that. So, uh, looking forward to it though, man. It's fun. Yep. Next Tuesday, we're gonna have a little. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Two games late, I believe. So, uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I'm definitely excited for that. And uh, we're gonna start the Western Conference today on the podcast. We're gonna start with the Pacific Division. As you mentioned the last time we spoke, you got to do the oceans. You got the Atlantic Division in the East and the Pacific <laughs> it, Division in the West. So. Really made it really made it easy to remember, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I just want to remind everyone before we start, you can get access to the Rotoviz MBA Pass at a 30% discount through our podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash MBA podcast. We also ask that you please rate and review the show on iTunes. All right, let's dive right in. Let's start with the Golden State Warriors. They are coached by Steve Kerr. This is his fourth year with the team. Uh, last year, very impressive season, 67-15 and 15 record. That was a step back from what they did the year pre- uh, previously, but their efficiency numbers were actually better. They were 113.2nd. That's their offensive efficiency, first in the league. 101.1 defensive efficiency, second in the league. So their overall margin of victory was, I want to say it was the fourth best in the history of basketball last season. Uh, they also played at the fourth quickest pace at 102.2 possessions per game. This year, Vegas has them uh, at 67.5 wins with minus 125 odds on the over. And they are literally minus 100,000 to win their division. Unbelievable. It's crazy. Uh, they're also <laughs> minus 275 to win the West and minus 160 to win the whole thing. In terms of additions, they're keeping the team relatively intact. They did bring back Nick Young and uh, Omri Caspi and drafted Jordan Bell to join their existing roster, and they lost Ian Clark, James Michael McAdoo, and Matt Barnes. 
right, so let's start just by saying, is there anything that can stop this team in 2017? No. I'm glad we're starting with this team just so we can get this boring-ass team out of the way. I understand that, like, historically this team is unbelievable, untouchable, um, but I just, I don't know, man, like... It makes the brand of basketball a little less interesting for me, um, like as a fan of the game, not just as a fan of NBA DFS. Like, I mean, they're unbelievable, but it's they're so good to a point where it's almost boring to watch. And I feel like that's not necessarily the the craziest take I have. Like, I feel like people agree with me on that sometimes. And but no, I mean, this is this is their world. We're just living in it, trying to, you know, trying to get by. But it's just they're unstoppable. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you there. This team I've even heard some people say that, you know, injuries could obviously stop them. I think it would have to be multiple injuries. Yeah, two two of the four would have to go down, and I still think that they could they could win out of the West. Right. They won 13 in a row last year without Duran at one point. Yeah. They were 11-0 and without Kerr in the playoffs. Against playoff teams. It's not like they yeah. did that in the regular <laughs> yeah. season. It was in the playoffs. This is just hands down the best basketball team I've ever seen. I mean... You could put them up there with the Bulls and uh, maybe the Celtics and Lakers, but I just don't think that anyone can hang with this team if they play well. And we really didn't see them hit their stride until the playoffs, I thought, last year when Kevin Durant became just an absolute monster. So, I don't even think they really need to hit a stride. Like They're they're basically just rolling out like an all-star game lineup, and whoever does what they do that you know that that's their night and like that's how they win like i understand that like the golden state warriors play with pace they play with rhythm they play with everybody's got to touch the ball it's it's a beautiful offense but like do they really need to click to win the west like at all like i, no, I just think I mean, that they're, they're just that good yeah they're that good and like you said their basketball that they play is it's beautiful to watch, yeah, in my opinion. It really they, is. They get assists on, I want to say it's about 70% of their baskets, which is by far the highest uh, percentage in the league. And they just whip the ball around the perimeter. It's almost like the you know the next step in that Popovich Spurs offense that beat yeah. the Heat so badly in... It's Pop's uh, offense on steroids is what right, it is. Right, because yeah. now you have three of the greatest shooters in the history of the league, maybe the three best shooters in the league at the moment, all playing on the same team, the amount of spacing that that gives your offense is just insane what you can do with it. Don't you slightly agree, though, that, like, that's kind of boring? Like, are you are you a fan of, like, are you one of the guys that, you know, live and breathe watching their games, or you, are you, do you get, get kind of bored of it like I do? So I, I hear the arguments that it's not good for the NBA and that it, it definitely takes some of the drama out of the regular season, but... I don't know. I thought last year's finals were, were still exciting to me. I still enjoyed watching them go up against LeBron because LeBron is, is an all-time great as well. And yeah. that series, despite the fact that the Warriors won it 4-1, to one, I thought it was a lot closer than it could have been. I mean, the, the Cavs were a wide-open Kyle Korver 3 away from winning Game 3. And if they win that game and Game 4, who knows what happens. So I think that you know having two dominant forces isn't necessarily a bad thing in the NBA. I mean, look back at the 80s when you had the Celtics and the Lakers. Like, it, it ultimately ended up being a very good thing for the league. Um, so maybe on a night-to-night basis, it is somewhat boring seeing them, you know, as a 15-point favorite every single night. But if we get a payoff of a epic final series, I think it could be worth it. And we didn't really get that last year. So yeah. I'm Two hoping years that ago, this year, obviously, was unbelievable. Right. Like, I'm hoping that this year maybe the Spurs get a 
uh, I'm sorry, the the Cavs get like a top 25% outcome because I don't think we saw the best of them last year. I could agree with that. I think that the team is slightly worse, though. Well, we just did the podcast the other day. See, this is one of our big disagreements from the first uh, episode that we recorded. I think that Isaiah Thomas actually fits with the Cavs better than what Kyrie Irving did. But does adding Dwayne Wade in that starting lineup really, like, is it is it that good for him? Like, Dwayne Wade is, like, 97 years old at this point in time. Like, So, yeah, he's old. I still think he's an effective basketball player. Um, I, I worry about what his spacing will do for the team. But yeah. I, I don't think that just because he's going to start necessarily means he's going to play, you know, 36 minutes a night or anything like that. Oh, there's no way he can do that. There's right. no so way. He can't think, even handle that. I think if he plays, you know, under 30 minutes and you let him go with the bench units, I think, and you see, you know, you sort of split his time up there, I think that that's fine. I really think that the offense, the way I would want to see it, the crunch time five would be LeBron, Kyle Korver, Isaiah, Jay Crowder and Kevin Love. Cause that, yeah. to me, that's elite perimeter shooting. Uh, you know, the defense is going to be questionable, but you just get so much spacing and you just let LeBron yeah. make the decisions for you. The spacing with that lineup would be unbelievable. And that's why I'm worried about Dwayne Wade because, I mean, say what you want to say about JR, but the guy can knock down a shot and the guy, he, I mean, he opens the floor up for you. So, and I don't necessarily think Dwayne Wade's three point shot at this point in his career is going to open up the floor in any way, shape, or form. That's true. All right, well, let's get back onto the Warriors yeah. after that little tangent there. Western Conference, Western Conference. Do you do you look at this team as having, like, a guy, like, do you think Kevin Durant is the guy that you're going to be looking to roster most nights on this team, or is it going to be sort of a, you know, like, a just a, a everybody-takes-turns type of approach? Like, what do you see from their guys? Well, let me preface this with, I do believe this is Kevin Durant's team now. Um, I said that last year. Um, when it comes to DFS, though, this is a team that, I, I truly avoided whenever I could. Um, it didn't always work out for me, obviously, because they have a roster full of guys that can drop 40 and 10 on any night, really. Um, so I think Kevin Durant is the safest DFS option from this team on a night-to-night basis. But it's going to be hard to peg down the guy that goes off because it's just it's it's who gets hot. You know, I mean, that plain and simple with this team, it's who gets hot. And you can always there's going to be a handful of safe guys like Draymond's likely always going to be safe, especially with the new FanDuel scoring you got over there. Um, Kevin Durant's always safe. Curry's always relatively safe. Clay's the guy that I really never touch because I'm not I'm just not a big fan of playing a guy that does nothing but score. Um, so, I mean, but Kevin Durant is easily the, the, the safest of the group, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an up and down roller coaster with these guys sometimes when it comes to upside. Right. Yeah. The, the, the big thing is that Durant Curry, they're going to have roughly the same usage rate, you know, and yeah, it's just going to be sure. which guy goes off on a particular night. Um, yeah. The one nugget that I picked on, picked up on last year that I think is definitely helpful is when the Warriors are big favorites, and I'm talking uh, favored by at least 15 points, which happened 19 times last season. That's the time when you want to attack Clay Thompson. So he gets those fourth quarter minutes. He averaged 37.63 DraftKings points in those games, which was plus 7.19 over expectation, according to the Fantasy Labs plus minus stats. So and and like you said, the big reason why is is because he plays the early fourth quarter minutes. So even if the team is up big, he's going to get to come out for a shift while the other guys are all sitting on the bench. So if they're a big favorite, that's when I want to roster Clay Thompson. Really, in in all the other situations last year, 
he was almost a negative fantasy asset. But when they're, you know, monster, monster favorites, that's when Clay Thompson has shown the big upside, or at least that's what he did last year. Yeah, I, I agree with the correlation play there. Um, I, I that's a that's a that's something we talked about a lot last year over at FI, and it, it's it truly comes down to he gets a few, a few more minutes, he gets a handful of fourth quarter minutes, and that's that's really beneficial. But unless the price is right, I still it's just not a guy that I like to mess with very much. You know, I mean, he's on DraftKings, he's usually in that like mid six, low seven range, and I just feel like that's that's way too much for a guy that you need to score thirty plus real points for to get enough fantasy value. So it's just tough for me. Fair enough. Uh, do you think this team has an X factor? Do they need an X factor? <sighs> I was really excited about this um, because I love JaVale McGee and okay. I, I just think he was huge. Um, if you want to put a name next to it, I, I believe, I mean, you got to think of him because I mean, he was huge for this team. Everybody wanted to hate on this guy for being dumb and blah, blah, blah. But the dude's a pretty good basketball player. And for the role that they need him in, he's perfect. And I just think that, Obviously, you're excluding a bunch of very obvious X factors here, but I just I, I think he gets big minutes for a reason, you know, off the bench, quote unquote, big minutes for the Golden State Warriors. But I, I feel like he plays a pivotal role on this team. No, that role is perfect for him. 15 yeah. minutes a game. He can't do that much wrong in 15 minutes. And it just lets his athleticism flash. And uh, yeah, he was he was big for them in the playoffs at times last year. So I think that's yeah. a good call. I'm going to talk about uh, Nick Young. I think anybody whose nickname is Swaggy P has to be considered an X Factor. But despite this guy being a clown and and all of his antics, he's a really good shooter. He shot over 40% from three last year on roughly seven attempts per game. So as if the Warriors needed more three-point shooting, they went and added a guy who's a pretty darn good shooter and... He's going to get, you know, much, much more wide open looks playing for the Warriors than he did last season with the Lakers. So uh, I think he could be a key part of their bench unit. Um, You know, I'm not expecting huge things from him, obviously. I don't think he's necessarily going to be fantasy relevant unless guys are resting. But I think in terms of real basketball, I think that that's just another excellent addition to an already really, really good team. Yeah, I think he really just fills in that Ian Clark role that they lost. Um, just another really, you know, sharp shooting three pointer uh, that fits well off the bench. You definitely don't need him to handle the ball. You got Iggy, you got Livingston, you got guys that can do that. You're going to have one of the stars playing with the bench guys too. And I mean, it, it's 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 a definitely a really good fit for him. It's a place for him to go get a ring. Um, I, I mean, it's it's I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, yeah, but Swaggy P is what he is. You know, I mean, that's that you know what you're going to get from him. He's going to chuck, and that's why they have him there, and that's fine. I didn't love him on the Lakers. I think this is a really, really good fit for him. All right, let's get into a hot take. My hot take for the I, okay, I <laughs> I really couldn't figure out anything, so I'm just going to say my hot take is they don't hit 65 wins because they coast to the regular season. Really? Okay. I, I mean, that's I I I. I I couldn't come up with anything like the only things that I could come up with were hypotheticals that everyone gets hurt. So it was just a moot point anyways. I'm going in the opposite direction. I think if anything, they're going to break their own record, but I'm going to say that this year they break the record for point differential in a season. Okay. So I'm not sure. Yeah. They might, you know, coast on games here and there, but I think that when this team is playing good, they're just going to throttle teams this year. I really just think that this is the best team I've... This is the best version of the best team that I've seen, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, being a, a, a guy, I'm, I'm 29. So like, I really didn't catch the bulls in the early nineties. Um, you know, obviously I was not alive for the other team. So like, this is the best team I've ever seen. And it's, it's unbelievable. It truly is. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, 100%, I, I just, but you know, I tried to go hot for you, but I don't know. I, I kind of agree with your take more than mine. If we're being real, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you, what are you going to say about like that? Both of us think is the best team we've ever seen. Like we've ever laid our no, eyes it's, on. Like, it's there's hard no to hot come takes up with a hot it. take yeah. for them because the, the expectations are already, you know, super high for them as yeah, it is. For sure. All right, let's move on to the LA Clippers. Uh, they are coached by Doc Rivers. This is his fifth year with the team. First year, though, that he is not also serving in a uh, GM capacity, which I think everybody agrees is a good thing for the Clippers long term overall. So smart. Last year, they were 51 and 31. They were fourth in the league in offensive efficiency at 110.3 points per 100 possessions. They were 13th in defensive efficiency, and they were 17th in pace. Uh, This year, Vegas has them taking a pretty big step back. Their over-under is only 43 and a half with minus 125 on the over. And they are plus 2,000 to win the division, plus 6,600 to win the West, and plus 12,500 to win the title. They were very busy in the offseason. The big news, obviously, is they lost Chris Paul. Uh, They traded him to Houston, and they got back a a decent package of players in return. They got back Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, and Lou Williams from that team. They also brought in Danilo Gallinari. They have a 30-year-old rookie, Milos Teodosic. And they stole Willie Reed from the Heat. In addition to Chris Paul, they also lost Jamal Crawford, J.J. Redick, Luke Richard and Bob Mute, Ray Felton, Paul Pierce, Brandon Bass, and Maurice Spates. So without Chris Paul, is this lineup now going to run basically exclusively through Blake uh, Blake Griffin? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be an inside-outside game. Um, we've seen Blake chuck it from three a few times here in preseason so far um this is definitely going to be his team we're going to see his assist totals go up uh drastically obviously he has been dealing with some injuries over the past couple seasons but i think this one you know as long as he can stay on the court this is going to be his huge huge year for him um i mean chris paul is just irreplaceable i I know they got a ton of pieces for him and this team is going to try to put it together um we'll talk about patrick beverly a little bit later but i i this is Blake's team. I don't see DeAndre Jordan really doing much more than we've seen from him over the past few years. I think he is what he is at this point. But yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin, we, he's, he's proven to be an elite level passer for, for his size. And I think that they're going to put that on showcase this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's, his passing might be his best um, attribute at this point. Now that It's he's, definitely not his shot. Right, now that he's lost shot. a little bit of his athleticism, it seems like, from some of these injuries. But I think that this offense can honestly replicate a lot of what they did. Not not to a T. I mean, like you said, Chris Paul is Chris Paul. But I think that, you know, giving Griffin more playmaking opportunities and having a deeper roster overall, they can overcome the loss. I think that this team is still going to be pretty good this season. Yeah, I think it's going it, to... It's going to come down to obviously injuries, but I'm just not, I hate talking about that kind of stuff, but I think it's really going to come down to Gallo. And I, I don't know how well he fits on this team. I mean, Patrick Beverly, I feel like fits what Doc wants to do perfectly. I actually really like Patrick Beverly on this team. Obviously you got some shooters. You got Lou Williams. Um, I love Milos. Well, we can talk about him later, but um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. 
Gallo is really going to come down to, in my opinion, it's going to be Gallo either makes them into the playoffs or takes them out of it. Well, what gives you pause about Gallinari's fit with the team? Because I think it's an awesome fit with the team. I think a, I, it's really hard to put in words what I'm about to say here because his floor spacing is great. But with this, with the team, he's never really played on a style of offense like the Clippers want to run. Now, obviously, this offense is probably going to change a little bit. Like you said, I don't think it's going to be a huge difference. But this offense does has to change without a guy like Chris Paul on the court. Um, and I just don't know how many open looks he's going to get because the guys that are going to be around him, the the, the paint's going to be full. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I like Gallo as a player, but I really think he's, I don't want to call him overrated. I just okay. think that there's expectations there that he might not reach. Yeah, it's really the only thing I can I guess say that's there. fair. I, we definitely differ on Gallo because I think that if he's healthy, he's real good. I think that he's can can get his own shot. I think he can obviously space the floor for them and, and knock down open threes if he gets them. But I think that he can sort of handle some of the playmaking aspect that, you know, Chris Paul would have handled last year. So I actually so really like the fit there. So you're saying as 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 a facilitator, he can handle that role? Yeah. Because I disagree with that. I don't think that's necessarily suits his game very well. Um, I mean, he's definitely been a bit of a create. He's not like an assist guy per se, but I think he can definitely get his own, which is what this team is going to need at times. Okay. Kind of like how we talked about uh, on the Atlantic with, with DeMar DeRozan. Sometimes they just need him to yeah. get a bucket. I think that okay. Gallo can do that for this team. And while DeRozan isn't necessarily a playmaker in that sense, he's holds that value to, you know, Gallo holds that type of value is what you're saying. Yes. That make that makes sense to me. Okay. I got that. Let's talk DeAndre Jordan, because I am a little worried that Chris Paul leaving that hurts him more than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously Blake can throw lobs too, but I just, I don't see DeAndre really his his DFS value changing that much. He's going to pull down boards. Um, I think he pulls down more boards this season if you want to increase one thing for him because I think Blake is going to have a, a, a bit more time on not inside the paint. He's going to, you know, he's going to be playing an outside in type game as, as a, as a facilitator, but I just, Deandre Jordan is the type of guy that's going to get 15 shots a game. I mean, it, it's just not, if you look at his, through preseason, through three games. Now, granted, he's playing 23 minutes a game. He hasn't had more than six shots in a game yet. Five, six, six through three games. I mean, if you get 10 shots from DJ, like I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good night for you. Now, obviously, he's going to shoot 80% because they're all dunks. But, I mean, it, it's I, I think his his upside comes from rebounding, and that's we know what he is, and I don't see that changing from him. Yeah, agreed. I will say if you're doing a seasonal draft and you are going to punt the free throw percentage category where he's obviously a butcher, he's a borderline first round impact given what he does in the field goal percentage category, rebound category, and block category. I mean, I, I don't think play. He, I don't play yearly. Does he go that early? He, he's a, that like he's a, a third round pick typically. But that's what I'm saying. If you're going to punt the category, if you're going to just say, you know what, screw it. I don't care if my if I lose free throw percentage every week. Yeah then he almost becomes a first-round value that you can get in the third round. I actually I don't disagree with that whatsoever because what he does well, he does very well. Right. He's led the league in, in field goal percentage for five straight years now. Yeah, so, because of his game. Because of – I mean, he, he is not taking a jump shot. It's, it's not happening. So it, it, that's I, I actually really, really like that take a lot. 
All right, let's talk about Patrick Beverly real quick because you mentioned you like him. I, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Beverly's game, and I hope that he gets a chance to, to do a little bit more here with the Clippers this season. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Patrick Beverly. I don't want to say as a person because I've never met him, but I've always kind of <laughs> looked at him as a douchebag in a way. Yeah, um, yeah okay, that's fair. But uh, when it comes down to basketball, he's an incredible defender, and I think – and I'm just going to go ahead and spoil my little hot take. Um, I think Patrick Beverly is better offensively than we want to give him credit for. Um, I think he's going to come out, and the fact that he can shoot on this team is a huge plus for him. Um, I think that his three-point shot is going to be better than people want to give him credit for. I think he's going to be a, a viable DFS option – on a regular basis for us, as long as I think he's going to be one of those like mid range type, like six to seven K type guys. And I think he's going to hold value there. Um, I, I just think he's a really, really good fit for this team. I think if you're looking for an incredibly poor man's Chris Paul, I feel like this kind of, this guy fits the role. He's a, you know, he's a tough defender that can, that can run a fast paced offense. I feel like their pace is going to go up a bit with the roster that they have now. Um, and I actually really, really like Patrick Beverly on this team. Yeah. He is a good shooter. Like this yeah. whole knock that he is a poor offensive player. I'm not sure where that comes from because he shot 40% and 38.2% from Do you three know where over the from? last two seasons. It comes from playing next to Chris, or, uh, James Harden for, for a number of years. That's where it comes from. Sure. <laughs> I guess by that definition, there's really not a lot of good offensive players in the league. Um, but uh, he's also averaged one and a half steals per game throughout his career. So I think that given more minutes, this guy's going to be a very fantasy-friendly player. Definitely. So I like him. The only uh, concern is that it does seem like this Tia Dosich guy is real. God, he's so much fun to watch. Have you have you caught him in preseason so I've far? I've seen him a little bit. He looks like he smokes cigarettes at, in half times of the game. For sure. For which, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you need more guys like that in the league. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> uh, man, he's uh, he is he reminds me of Rubio in like five years. Like, uh, I don't necessarily want to put his defense on that level, but with the, the passing ability that he has, he, he definitely has that European style basketball in him. And uh, it's going to be fun. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to compare him to Pablo Prigioni at all. But like, I think he's a he's a, a better version of that. Sands the defense because I really don't know what he brings to the table defensively, and that's kind of what Pablo did. But uh, yeah, no, I think this is going to be a really, really fun player on this team. And obviously, I want to say Patrick Beverly's the X factor here, but I think Milos really plays a role on this team, which is crazy to say. Right, I have him as my X factor, Milos. Yeah, I do too. The passing ability to me, you mentioned, um, you know, Prigioni. I, I I'll even go as far to say it's a little bit Ginobili-ish. Okay. Which I, I have no I, with that. That's that's about as high a praise as I'll give somebody. I don't know I, if he has the the shot though. I don't know if he has that kind of that shooting skill that correct. Monty has. I'm yeah. not I'm not there at all. I'm just saying passing wise, his vision, okay, yeah. he can make he sees stuff that, like you said, it's just a European style of play. Which so, is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Love it. I'm a, I'm a yeah. huge fan. So we'll see if he can you know carry that over and and you know do it on a regular basis. But that would be a, a a boost for DeAndre, I think, if if uh, Teodosic can can get him some lob passes, but we'll see how the point guard battle shakes out. Let's uh, yep. let's get into the hot take. I'll go first here. I'm gonna say that the Clippers this season, and this is barring good health, but with good health, I like this team more than I liked them last year with Chris Paul. Oof. Um. <laughs> uh. 
I I I I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't really know what to say back to that. That's um, fine. That's listen. My pro- I'm not a Chris Paul guy. I'll be the first yeah. to admit that. I think that his style of play, um, it, it just doesn't do it for me. How he almost coasts for three quarters, and then sometimes he'll try and turn it on in the fourth, and it's almost too late at that point. You know, I, I've never been a huge fan of that, and I get that you want to get your teammates involved early, but I've always felt like he passes too much and that his teams would be so much better if he was just a little bit more assertive. So, I feel like he hasn't been that great because I don't think he wants to play for Doc. I don't think he enjoyed being on this roster. and I mean, obviously, it that that became obvious this, this offseason, but I just don't necessarily know if this was the right place for him to land. I personally hate Chris Ball, but I respect <laughs> him as an NBA player. I mean, he's he's just another level of point guard that not a whole lot of teams have. And uh, yeah, obviously we don't get to talk about Houston, but I love him there for the record. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I my hot take was that Patrick Beverly's better offensively, but I feel like now that you've said that, my hot take is they don't make the playoffs. That's That's my hot take. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think it goes one of two ways. Either Griffin gets hurt, Gallinari gets hurt, and this team goes under, or everybody stays healthy and they go significantly over. Those are the two, you know, scenarios that I think I can see playing out in, in my head. You know, they we have the, uh, the Kevin Pelton real plus minus projections I brought up last time. Their RPM projection is 48.1 wins. So almost five over what yeah. Vegas has them set for. Yeah. So I'm a fan. I think that there's a lot of talent here. I mean, we didn't even mention some of these other young guys like Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell both, you know, had moments last year in Houston. I think Lou Williams is a perennial six man of the year candidate. Yeah. So there's a lot of talent on this team. So we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, finally get lucky with some injuries. We and didn't even mention right Austin Rivers either. Right. Austin Rivers, man. Yep. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, this team this team is deeper than they were. I will give you that. Uh, I, I actually really like the pieces they got for a player of Chris Paul's status, you know. Um, but I just – they got to put it together, and they got to stay healthy. That's I mean, that's all it boils down to is health. So Absolutely. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports there's no better time to join my bookie than today go to my bookie to open an account and start winning use promo code champion when you register for your account and get a 100 percent sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars on your first deposit bet today visit my bookies website or call 844-866-2387 that's 844-866-2387 check them out today and use promo code champion for a 100 percent bonus Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. They are coached by Dave Yeager. This is his second year with the team. Last season, 32-50. and 50. They were tied for 20th in offensive efficiency, tied for 26th in defensive efficiency, and tied for 22nd in pace. So below average in all three categories. This year, their over-under is uh, 27.5 wins with some slight action on the over. 
and they are plus 10,000 to win the division, plus 30,000 to win the West, and plus 50,000 to win the title. As far as additions go, they added uh, Zach Randolph from Memphis. They drafted De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, and Harry Giles all in the first round. They uh, also signed Vince Carter as a veteran addition, and they brought over Bogdan Bogdanovich, not to be confused with Boyan Bogdanovich. Two different people. It's going to be confusing all year. Just know that the Sacramento guy is is Bogdan with a G. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they lost Rudy Gay, Aaron Aflalo, Tyreek Evans, and Langston Galloway, as well as obviously trading away uh, DeMarcus Cousins in the offseason. Or, I'm sorry, in the regular season last year. All right, so my big question on this team is where the heck is the scoring going to come from? Because I don't see one one guy really that's like a proven scorer outside of maybe Zach Randolph. Yeah, I mean, the first guy that that's the obvious answer is, like you said, Zach Randolph. Um, he's old. As a Memphis fan, I've been banging the table for them to trade him and actually get into, you know, modern era NBA basketball for about four years now. Um, but the dude can put up 20 and 10, first name 20, last name 10. Uh, he can do it. <laughs> um, I mean, this team is basically turning into Memphis Grizzlies light with, you know, Zebo Carter, you got Jaeger there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny to look at uh, Costa Kufos is still there too. Um, I, I just, uh, I really think it's going to fall in the guards, man. I think De'Aaron Fox, I think Buddy Heald, I think this is the, the time for them to shine. And it's not; it, it couldn't have been a better scenario for them to draft two young guys. Obviously, Justin Jackson falls into this category as well. But to draft young guys and put them on a terrible team and let them develop, you know, trial by fire, basically. Uh, you got to throw them out there. You got to let them play 35 minutes a game. You got to let them play together because I think that that overall their future is Fox and their future is healed in the backcourt together. Um, I think it's going to be really, really fun. I, I don't want to put a tag on it, but I think. Fox and Heald could easily turn into a Bradley Beal, John Wall type combination wow. um, if you want to look at upside like that. And I and I think that they let them go out there and do that this year. I hope so, at least. Yeah, um, I guess I'm more on board with Randolph is going to sort of be the guy at least early in the season. The one thing that I didn't mention, George Hill was another uh, yeah. addition to this team. I think he's yeah. going to certainly start and will definitely limit what Fox does early in the year, which is boring. <laughs> Nobody really wants to see that, but <laughs> sadly that's, that's what's going to happen. George Hill is a, you know, just a solid pro, but Randolph, like you said, I don't know if he's 20 and 10 anymore, but he might be, you know, 16 and eight yeah. at, a, at a little bit less uh, efficiency. So he's also apparently gotten the green light now to shoot some threes this year, which will be an interesting uh, experiment. But, hey, they they tried to give him the green light in Memphis. He he's not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Uh, he's also got that that drug charge stemming. I don't know yeah. if that's going to be an issue in terms of his availability. If he's going to be suspended or whatever. But I think as long as Randolph is active, he's going to be the guy that I think most nights will be uh, sort of the the main focus for for the offense. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Obviously, Jaeger is very familiar with his game. He knows how to put him in a good spot. Um, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I'm a fan of Scott LeBissier for the record. Um, I, I think that kid's got upside, but obviously you got Kufos, who is the most boring center you can possibly have outside of Zaza Pachulia. And then, I mean, I think Willie Colley Stein is the future here. So I, this team is, is full of young potential. I just think it's kind of a, a melting pot of a hot mess. And, uh, 
it's going to be funny to see. Because, I mean, I agree with you that, that if they're trying to win games, they can go through Zach Randolph. But this team, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but they're not going to be good. And they have no reason to play George Hill 38 minutes a game. They have no reason to play Zach Randolph 35 minutes a game. I, I just think that this is a year to let your guys develop. And I think you've got to throw them all out there. I think this is going to be one of those, like, Zebo doesn't play... 20 games this season just because they want to rest his old ass. Um, George Hill had issues with, with injuries and I could see that being, Oh, you know, he had these injuries that we're, we're going to rest him quite a bit. I just think that there's going to be opportunities for us to play these young guys. And it, it's kind of going to kind of be like Phoenix. Um, they let Booker develop. They let Chris develop. They let Warren develop. And it, it, it's good for these kids. I mean, obviously, they're not getting wins under their belts, but getting NBA experience is huge for them. And I just think that this is the perfect team for them to land on for that scenario. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But that's that's a ways down the line this season. You know, Phoenix didn't pack it all in until the last month or two. Oh, yeah. Season, no, so. I don't think it's going to jump right off the gate like that. Obviously, you're going to, you know, you're going to come out, try to win. But right. I, this this roster can't win. It's just in, the ownership, it's impossible. Even if the ownership wants to tank, the coaching staff and the players aren't going to just be like, well, we might as well just just shut down this year and just let, I don't know. You know they, let they did Fox, it last year. They let did Fox it last year. get some run. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a little more... Uh, bearish is that the that's the expression right i'm a little more bearish on the on the young guys than you are okay so yeah willie coley stein who you mentioned as the future he's somebody i want to like more than i do but i just don't know if he's going to consistently get the minutes with all these other big men that they have on the roster well that's obviously the issue here uh is the rotation um because like i said kufos goes back to the jaeger and memphis days uh they know what they're going to get from him they feel safe with him i wouldn't be shocked to see kufos start um, I just think Willie Collie Stein has kind of DeAndre Jordan level upside, um, maybe not defensively, but I just feel like he's that type of player and that could be really, really good for this team. I mean, nobody's going to replace DeMarcus Cousins, which for the record is my favorite player of all time, but I, 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 I just, they've got to let him go out there and play. Cause I mean, he's, he's a 15 and 15 guy waiting to happen. If you give him 35 minutes a night and he's got, he's got block potential for DFS. That's just, that's just incredible. So it's a scenario that I'm really interesting to, you know, I'm really interested to see how it shakes out. Yeah. I mean, last year, post all-star break, he played roughly 31 minutes a night and had basically a 13 and eight line with one steal and one block, which is good. We'd, I'd love to yeah. get that into my lineup. For sure. But we'll I mean, we'll see. I think, again, it's something where as the year goes on, I'm going to imagine that he gets more minutes and, and Scal gets more minutes. But early in the season, I'm just not sure. I think that they might be, you know, sort of eased in that way. I think it's time to throw Willie Cauley-Stein out there. I have no issue with easing Scal into it because I don't know if Scal's ready for NBA level. I think he will be at some point, but he's still quite young. Um, but I, Willie Cauley-Stein, man, like it's time. It's time to roll him out there. All right, do you think any of their trio of, of first-round rookies can make an impact? I mean, obviously, Harry Giles is hurt. He probably won't be back until January. So it's really more about De'Aaron Fox or Justin Jackson, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even need to get long-winded. I've already said my opinion on Fox. I think he's the future here, uh, him and Heald. Um, obviously, the minutes are going to be limited in the beginning, but I think he towards the end of the season, he's going to be getting a ton of run. And I think he's going to prove why they spent such a high pick draft pick on him. Yeah, Fox was one of my favorite prospects. I loved him in college. I wasn't sure why everyone 
just assumed that, you know, Markel Fultz was a better player than him. I mean, he dominated in the tournament. So uh, I'm a fan of Fox. I like him. I think Jackson also is is a good player, and I think he's going to have the more immediate chance in terms of minutes. He's really only competing with Vince Carter for minutes at small forward. And, like, that situation more than anything to me, I have no idea why you play 40-year-old Vince Carter over, you know, a rookie first-round pick. Is Garrett Temple still on this team? Am, I, am I losing my mind? Uh, I, I just think, is. I mean, Garrett Temple is the guy that's going to get minutes there. Yeah, I, th- I view him more of, a, like, a shooting guard point guard than a small forward. But I guess really in today's NBA, you know, you're either I mean, a, just, a wing or a, or a center. So. Yeah, w- with this roster, I mean, Temple falls into the three very, very easily. Like, I, I, I mean, their starting lineup in my head is Hill, Heald, Temple, Zebo, and one of the two, you know, 2K or Willie Colley-Stein. I think that's their starting lineup in my head. Is yeah, that we'll, we'll see. Have- I mean, I, Justin Jackson started on Monday. Granted, they sat a whole bunch of players. You know, they sat basically all of their veterans. I think he's in the mix to start. We'll we'll see what happens. I don't even feel comfortable enough to go out on a limb and say one guy or the other. Yeah, I don't blame you there. All right, let's talk about an X factor. I just, I'm I'm a broken record. It's the young guards, man. That 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 all of them. It's that's their X factors. Their young guards. Yeah, I'm I'm particularly high on I guess Buddy Heald of the yeah, of the pair. For sure. He, you know, people laughed when they compared him to Steph Curry, and that still is a comical, comical Definitely. comparison. Yes. But he did shoot. from three on five and a half attempts per game after being acquired by Sacramento. So I think his shooting skill is legit. I think he's a legit floor spacer. What else he can add to his game, that remains to be seen, but he should certainly get plenty of opportunities to expand upon it this season. Couldn't agree more. All right, that leads into my hot take, which is I think people are going to laugh a whole lot less about that DeMarcus Cousins trade after this season. Uh, you know, they ended up getting healed and the 10 pick, which with the, which they turned into Justin Jackson and Harry Giles. And I'm pretty high on healed. I think Jack- Jackson can be a solid pro as well. And if Harry Giles develops into anything, he's the ultimate, you know, wild card in this situation. You know, he was a top high school recruit who wasn't healthy in college, has been battling injuries for, you know, basically the last couple of years. If they can get, you know, high school Harry Giles then this could end up being a win for the Kings even, which I think nobody would have thought at the time that the trade was made. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I love Cousins so much that I still think it's laughable. So that's that's all I can retort to that. I, I, I hear you. I'm a Cousins guy too. I'd like to see the dude maybe win something, you know? What what, what What's he supposed to win on the Sacramento Kings? What What's he supposed to win? Uh, it's fair. Like, but he like, has never been in a scenario where he can win. I feel like he is now. I feel me, like he's in a... Right. Okay. So show me something this year. But I've yeah. always felt that if you're an elite NBA player, you can drag your team to 500. I mean, you know, he, I, he doesn't I, I play defense unless he wants is, to. He, in he's, this, a head in this, he's a head case. He's a head case. Yeah, he's a head case. But so is every other famous basketball player on the. I mean, oh, that's not the, true. The, the Golden State Warriors are just full of head cases, and they look have at how good two, they are. and they're minor pieces on their team. Well, I understand that, but I mean, I the the the. Boogie stereotype of him being crazy, like, would you not go crazy being an elite level all star player on a team that doesn't do shit for the entire time you're in the in the in the the NBA? Would you not go crazy at that? I'd go a little crazy, but I don't know if I'd sign a contract extension with them then. 
I'm, dude, I'm in the NBA to make money, and that's what he's in the NBA to do. So, like, okay, so you're gonna yeah. sign the Mags deal and then bitch about the team that you play for. That makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. One hundred percent, I'm going to do that. That's that's literally how the team that that's how the NBA works. I mean, obviously, there's there's awesome franchises around, but he's not a part of any of that. You put Demarcus Cousins on the Spurs, that shit stops. Period. You know, like I mean, he's he's he hasn't had a coach. He had the nut job. And George Carl, he's got Jaeger, who I'm still convinced isn't anything but an assistant coach. Um, I feel like Malone, Malone leaving was was really really bad for that situation. He, him, and Malone they they saw eye to eye, and that was huge for him. I don't know what the scenario is in New Orleans. Hopefully, it's it's better with the coaching staff. But I, I you know, I don't see him. I don't obviously he's not going to win anything this season because he still plays in the West. So I don't know what you want from him. You know, I I just. He's he's a next level elite level player that's an impact on any team that he's a part of. Period. All right. The Kings the Kings don't win ten games without him. You know, I mean. So you don't think they're going to win ten games this year? I my hot take is they have the worst record in the Western Conference. Yes. Okay. I I mean I think that's a fair take. I don't. I'm not expecting big things from the Kings regardless. I'm just starting to say, and as a guy who loves Boogie, I agree with you that he might be the most talented big man in the league in a league that's full of incredibly talented big men at the moment. I just don't know if he's if he's going to end up being worth the trouble, given what he gives you on the defensive end, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope that him and Anthony Davis work out in New Orleans because it would be a really interesting thing to see somebody put together, you know, a team focused on big men to try and contend with the Warriors in the West. So we'll see what happens. I'm just, I'm just saying I am, you know, Starting to question if Biggie, if uh, if Boogie is worth the trouble. I hear you. All right, let's move on to the next team. Let's go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, this is another really interesting team. They second year with Luke Walton at head coach. They only won twenty six games last year. They were the worst defensive team in the league. They allowed one hundred and ten points uh, per one hundred possessions. They played at the sixth fastest fastest pace, and they had the twenty four twenty fourth worst offense. Uh, their Vegas total this year is 33.5 wins, so a pretty sh- uh, significant jump, and it's minus 125 on the over. They are plus 3,300 to win the division, 6,600 to win the West, and 10,000 to win the title, which is actually the 12th best odds, which I thought was weird given that they had the second worst record in the league last season. So the Lonzo Ball hype is 100% real, at least in the eyes of the betters. Uh, he was the big addition with the second pick. In addition to Brooke Lopez, they brought in Contavious Caldwell-Pope and everybody's uh, summer league preseason favorite, Kyle Kuzma. The departures were D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young, Timofey Mozgov, Tariq Black, Thomas Robinson, and uh, Meta World Peace slash Ron Artest. So let's let's start with Lonzo. Are you buying the hype? 100%. Okay. I, uh, I, I find him to be... I've watched a lot of Lonzo. Like we, we talked about this last week. Uh, I don't really pay attention to rookies very much. I don't do a ton of rookie research per se, but I've watched a lot of Lonzo just because I'm really interested in the kid. Um, I think the situation with him and his family is just absolutely outrageous. But uh, as a player, I'm really excited about him. I think he is what everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, he's going to come in there. He's going to run that offense, and he's not going to shoot, and he's going to be a Rondo light with the upside of even more. So I'm really excited about Lonzo. Yeah, I'm buying him uh, to an extent. You know, I still don't know if the offense translates to the NBA level. The hitch in his shot, I think, is a concern. 
but I think that he's going to be a a threat for, you know, like a Rondo or a Jason Kidd stat line every single night. You know, the the poor man triple-double where he gets, you know, just over 10 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds, which obviously as a rookie, that would be awesome if you could get that from him. Definitely. I think he's definitely going to be one of those guys and for DFS that is is quite popular, for sure. With the pace that this team plays at, um, I think their defense is going to get worse than it was last year, if that's if that's even possible. Um, but I just think that they're going to let him go out there and they're going to let him sell tickets. And I think this for DFS is the perfect scenario for him. All right. Well, where does that leave Brooke Lopez then? Because if that's really what the team is going to be, you know, this up and down, high flying uh, pace machine, I'm not really sure how Brooke fits with that team. I think. Brooke is an incredible addition for this team because obviously you, you need that, that paint presence. Even, I don't want to give him the, the paint presence on the defensive side, but he's, I mean, he's very, very good on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think that's good for him. Yeah. I don't see Brooke Lopez playing 35 minutes a game. I see him playing 25 with a lot of half court sets, but I, I think that they're going to mix in a lot of the big guys are going to see Randall of the five quite a bit. You're going to see Larry Nance and stuff like that. Uh, Zubak, I mean, you're you're gonna see these guys rotating in and out because they're gonna play fast. But I see, I feel like we we see more of Randall at the five, uh, especially going down in the fourth, unless it's a, a slower pace game, which obviously is gonna happen for matchup reasons. They're gonna they're gonna need Brook Lopez here and there. But I just don't see. I love Brook Lopez. Let me. I, I, I'm 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 sound like I'm trashing him right now, but I think this is a really good signing for a team with a ton of young guys. It's a vet presence that that knows how to play good basketball, even though he's been on trash for the past few years. But I, 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 I just, I, he's a 25 minute a night type guy and you're going to get, I don't know, you know, 30 ish DraftKings points from him on a consistent basis, I would say. And you know, that is what it is. I, I just don't see, I don't see Brooke Lopez playing heavy minutes and having heavy upside unless injuries happen. Right. That's the thing is, is how are the Lakers going to use him? You know, Brooklyn limited him to under 30 minutes a game, but he was able to play in 75 games last year, which. And that's good. Yeah, I think that's that's the blueprint. So it'll be interesting to see. He is an underrated rim rim protector. He was seventh in the league in blocks last year at one point six five per game, despite the fact that he played less minutes than all the guys ahead of him on the list. So definitely he's he's a decent rim protector. The one concern I have is I don't I I really don't love the that he's fallen in love with the three pointer. Um, it, it really hurt his rebound numbers last year. He was at five point four per game. Um, a big reason being that he lost almost a full offensive rebound per game from his his previous numbers. He was a, never a great rebounder to begin with. But yeah. if you're a big guy, a seven footer who's not averaging six boards per game. That's a concern for me. That's Andrea Bargnani like right there. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Um, but I the, just to play devil's advocate and see the flip side of this, I feel like him being in love with a three pointer is going to keep him on the court for a little bit longer with this team because they're going to get up. I, I, Lonzo is going to push the pace with this team and they've got a roster that can support that now. Uh, they still don't want Randall bringing up the ball for very, very good reasons. We'll talk about Randall in a second, but I, I think it's it's good and bad. Yes, his rebounding numbers are terrible, but nobody has ever said Brooke Lopez is an elite rebounder. Nobody's ever said those words. Um, but, I mean, you know, let Randall do that. That's fine. Let Ingram do that because he can. Let Lonzo do that. You have a team full of guys 
that are that are sufficient in the rebounding category, let him shoot the threes because that's going to keep him on the court because obviously he's slower than everybody else on the court. So I think a trailing three for Brooke Lopez, hey man, you keep hitting those, you're going to stay on the court, which is good for our lineups. All right, let's talk about Julius Randle. I am honestly a huge Julius Randle guy. I really, really want him to be a thing. Uh, Luke Walton drove me crazy last year with the amount of that he chose to sit him. So I'm hoping that this is the year. I think he meshes really well with this, you know, the the new build of this team. Randall's an excellent passer. I could see him getting out in transition with Lonzo and and everything being good with the pairing there. Am I crazy or or you know is is Julius Randall headed for another nightmare season? Um, man, I I hate to do this because I feel like we've disagreed on this podcast quite a bit as you know in comparison to last week's, but. Man, I'm not a Randall guy. I've just I've watched him over the past handful of years, and I just kind of think the guy is what he is. I think he makes boneheaded decisions very, very, very frequently. Um, yes, he does have passing ability. Yes, he does have offensive uh, abilities to a certain extent. I just don't think he's ever going to make a leap. I think we we've seen what he is, um, which does I will agree with he does it does fit this offense. That's why I think you're going to see a lot of him at the five. A lot of, you know, Ingram at the four type stuff. Kuzma out there playing the four. Um, that's probably going to be their closing lineup in close games. It would not shock me. They're going to play small ball. Obviously, Walton came from Golden State. They're, you know, they're trying to make that. Randall's not going to be Draymond. I don't know why anybody thinks he's going to be that. Um, even on the offensive side of the ball, Draymond. Um, I, 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 I'm just not a Julius Randall guy. I don't think this is going to be a year where we see him do... Blake Griffin numbers because I think that's what people expect from him and I just I don't see it happening period I just I I think I don't want to call the guy a bum but I don't think he's as good as everybody wants him to be all right I mean that's fair I mean I didn't know people were comparing him to Blake Griffin and and well and I just Draymond. not those are those are ridiculous comps I mean but if if no I'm not I'm not comping him to either one of those guys I feel like People expect him to eventually break through and post Blake Griffin type numbers. And I think people expected him to have the Draymond role in this system is what I mean by that. I'm not comping him to either one of those guys. I just think that people expect 25, nine and five from him or, you know, 22, nine and five from him on a regular basis. And that's just not going to happen. Yeah, Well, well, that's absurd. That's that's well, but no, but that's not absurd. That's what people really, truly expected from him. In a, in a progressive, you know, in the progression of this offense, and when they they finally put pieces around it, people expect that from him because that's what people are holding him to. When he came into the league, everybody wanted to call him Zach Randolph. That mm-hmm. went out the window super quick, and now they they want him to fill that point forward role that Walton had over in, in Golden State, and it's just not. <laughs> Walton nixed that a couple weeks ago. He said no, Randall does not take the ball up. The ball goes to Lonzo. The ball goes to Jordan Clarkson. That's who's taking the ball up. Randall doesn't. I just I he makes too many bad decisions. Draymond makes great decisions and Randall can't fill that role in defense of Julius Randall. Um, it's a lot easier to make good decisions when you're playing with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant and Clay obviously. So obviously. I, I'm not I'm not closing the book on Randall. You know what? And I like that we've been disagreeing on some players. I think it makes for a, <laughs> a more interesting listen. So for sure. We'll see uh, who who's right here on on Randall moving forward. What what do you have here for an X factor for this team? I mean, it's clear cut Kuzma. It's not close. <laughs> I mean, it, that that's Kyle. Kyle just made a name for himself, and the season hasn't even started. Like his his expectations for the season are sky high right now, 
And every night he comes out and he just kind of does it again. Like, I don't see him being, he's not an elite level anything, but he's an above average scorer. And that's going to really fill a void on this team. Um, I, I, I think this was a genius move for them. Like, I mean, this is, I, I, not a guy that was on my radar in any way, shape or form. So good for them when the signing summer league guy, I, I love him. I think he's actually going to play decent minutes for this team and, and potentially be one of those like 4.5 K DFS values, unless he starts seeing 30 minutes a game. You know, I think he's one of those 22 minute a night guys like can, can put up like 15 and four, 17 and four and just, you know, hit a 4k value for you. I think that that's what he's going to be at some points in time. Yeah. I mean, I could be dead wrong, but I'm selling all the Kyle Kuzma right now. I mean, I I just, I can't say, have you watched him? I mean, the guy can score, the guy can score basketball. You know who else looked awesome last year in in the summer league in the preseason? Chris Dunn. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been a Dunn guy. It's just such a big jump going to the big leagues. So I, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm certainly not. He's not on my radar to start the season. I'm at We're going to be talking about that. Kyle Kuzma in a month and a half. I'm going to bring this up. I'm just All right, you. That's fair. bro. <laughs> when I'm wrong, let me hear about it. Uh, I think that the big X factor here, and it's another kind of obvious guy is Brandon Ingram. So everybody, I've seen a lot of love for Brandon Ingram based off of what he did in his rookie season. He had um, some very impressive comps. If you look at, you know, just the, the sheer number of threes and blocks that he had. It puts him in the company of, like, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, just a really, really solid group of dudes. But I never got the feeling watching him last year that this guy is, like, a hands-down slam-dunk star. The fact that he just played a ton of volume and racked up numbers on a team that played fast in a pretty inefficient manner wasn't impressive to me. So... We'll see what he can do this year. If the team's going to be better, I think he obviously has to take a step forward. And I'm not doubting that his ceiling is still monstrous. But I'm certainly not penciling this guy in as like a future all-star based off of what I just saw from his rookie season. Yeah, if anybody listened to what we did last year, I I probably dogged Ingram more than anybody on the planet for the entire season, I wouldn't do it when, you know, people were out. I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. Um, I have seen improvement, but I agree with you. I don't know if that ceiling's there. I mean, when he came into the league, the KD comp was very popular. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that is unbelievable. Like I, I, I don't even see how you can even put them in the same sentence outside of just, you know, advanced metrics. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. It's a lazy comp. Like, Oh, this guy's lanky. Let's call him Kevin Durant. I just, I mean, I think he takes a step forward, but I don't think he takes that big of a step forward that everybody's expecting. But I, I think he's, I don't know. I, I, what, what do I say about him? I think he's kind of like a 15 point per game, five rebound type average type guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's, he, he could be what they thought Luol Deng was going to be. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. The the book, like I said, is definitely not written on that guy. I just think we all need to pump the brakes with anointing him as a star and saying, oh, you know, they've got Lonzo, they've got Ingram. Like, this is a bright future team. Yeah. Like, I think I we can all more. pump the brakes a little bit. Definitely. Um, all right, let's go hot take. I'm going to I'm gonna double down on Julius Randle. I say that at the end of the season, he is their highest priced DFS player. Oh, I'm trying to run through. Yeah, I could see that. I see him and Lonzo competing with that. You want to hear my hot take for the Lakers? Let's do it. I hear it. They make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's to me that's a scorching fire take in the West. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will agree with you. I mean, the hype on this team is just through the moon right now. If I was betting on this team, I would certainly take the under. You know, that kind of uh, they won twenty six games last year. Unless you think they're going to win an additional twenty games just by adding Lonzo, Brooke Lopez, and KCP. You know, to me, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but. There are people that legitimately feel it, including you. So I, I, you know, I can't, I can't discredit it. There's a lot of people who are on board this Lakers train. Yeah, I just my thing is, and basically, I was looking at this before we came on. I uh, my hot take was the Clippers didn't make the playoffs, so that bumps one out. I think Utah without Gordon Hayward it bumps out of the playoffs. The Grizzlies suck; they're not going to make the playoffs. Really, that makes them need to beat the Pelicans and the Nuggets because outside of that, I mean, the Timberwolves. Let me—I completely looked over the Timberwolves, but I feel like they could squeak in as an eight seed with thirty-eight wins because I think the the Western Conference is going to be very, very top heavy. Um, and I just think that. God, man, it would be so much fun to see this team make it and obviously get smashed in the first round in a 4-0 <laughs> sweep by Golden State. But I mean, I just I just feel like it would it would do numbers for a a franchise that I personally hate, but they do good things for the NBA. So they Definitely. bring fans in. The the league is better when the Lakers are good. That's a Couldn't that's a more. bona fide fact. Yeah. All right, last team in the division is the Phoenix Suns. They are coached by Earl Watson. This is his, uh, I'm going to call it his second point five year with the team. He took over <laughs> as an interim three years ago. But this That's is perfect. his second official year as head coach. Um, they were terrible last year, 24 wins. Uh, they did play at the second fastest pace, which was awesome, especially when combined with their 28th defensive efficiency of 109.9 points per game. Uh, offensively, they weren't much better. They were 22nd at 103.9 points per 100 possessions. So uh, their Vegas numbers this year, they are uh, 29 at the over-under, and then massive odds to win the division, the conference, and the title. Probably the least off, uh, off-season activity of all the teams that we've looked at yet, Josh Jackson in with the number four pick, Leandro Barbosa out, and that was pretty much it. I mean, you got to throw Brandon Knight being out for the season in the mix. I mean, that's kind of like a departure in a way, you know. I mean, right? He if, was if such a minimal factor for the team last season, anyway. That whole scenario was really weird between between him and the Suns organization. Like that was that was an interesting year last yeah, year. And poor one out for Brandon Knight. Nobody's yeah. stock has fallen as fast as that guy's. Super hard. All right, let's talk about the guys who are here, though. Is this officially Devin Booker's team team now? And if so, where does that leave Eric Bledsoe? I think Eric Bledsoe is still going to be very, very viable for our little world. Um, I think Eric Bledsoe is still a very, very good point guard. But yes, to answer your question, this is definitely Devin Booker's team. Devin Booker, uh, <laughs> I, 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 obviously the scoring upside was always there when he was drafted, but I had no idea how good this kid is. Like I, I, I will just be perfectly honest with you. I did not know he could be this. Um, I, I think he's next level. I think this is a, a piece that you build your team around. I think they've done really well in the draft over the past handful of years, which is impressive for an organization that doesn't win basketball games. But I feel like they've done a really good job of getting young and having upside. And maybe by the time all these guys develop, Golden State won't be a, you know, a full team anymore. So maybe that the West will be interesting again. But yeah, I, I think Devin Booker obviously is the go-to from this team for DFS. But I think Bledsoe, I mean... Bledsoe is one of those guys, he can fill up a stat sheet, but his shot has been terrible over the past couple of years. 
Eric Bledsoe 100% cannot finish the season on the Phoenix Suns. Am oh, I, okay. Right? I mean, is yeah. there a player who makes less sense on their roster right now than Eric Bledsoe on Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you, but, I mean, does that mean that you want Devin Booker running the offense? Or do you want Eulis out there? Sure. <laughs> Play yeah. anybody. You don't even care? Okay, I, I just, I I just don't see why you still have Eric Bledsoe. I mean, they apparently tried very hard to trade him in the offseason. I thought he was going to Cleveland. I yeah, really did. That yeah. I mean, the the rumor, the hot rumor of the day was that they were close to flipping Kyrie for him before Kyrie demanded his trade request. Yeah. But LeBron would not agree to an extension. That was part of the condition. They were uh, saying okay. – because they could have flipped the situation where they turned Kyrie essentially into Melo and Eric Bledsoe. But they wanted to make sure LeBron was in it for the long haul, and he wouldn't do so. Yeah. So anyway, I think that Bledsoe for sure gets moved at some point this year. Um, there's someone out there somewhere. I don't have a, a destination in mind yet, but he is still I was totally about to ask player, you that. And I think he'll help someone at some point. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that leaves Devin Booker and... He's still young. I think that we might be asking a little bit too much of him this season. You know, uh, his shooting numbers for as good of an offensive player as he is, they're not good. Now, granted, it's all volume. Exactly. He takes yeah. a lot of tough shots for this team. Um, he averaged 22 points a game last year, which is just insane as a second year player. I do think that that 70-point game that he had was maybe the most fraudulent thing that I've ever seen, <laughs> and it was a disgrace to the game of basketball, but that's a different story. So, anyway. I was, I was just reading Zach Harper's article he put out a few days ago about Devin Booker, and he mentioned that game and how like the whole NBA was just disgusted with that, that whole situation of the 70-point game. They were intentionally but, fouling at the yeah, end of the game to get 100%. him the ball back. It was what, disgusting. On a team that won 24 games, who the hell cares? Let the man score 70 points. Why do y'all care so much? Just I, like, I don't him. know. I yeah. just am a cranky, you know, <laughs> uh, basketball man, I, I want to see it. I, I, I personally love Devin Booker's uh, – I hate using this word, but Devin Booker's swagger. is He just has that it factor that a prime all-star – you know, elite level NBA player needs to have, and he just has that 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 it factor about him that just makes me think that the, the sky is the ceiling for him. Like, oh man, we're talking about the it factor. I love him, this man. This is supposed like, I mean, to be an analytically driven podcast, and we're talking about the damn it factor. Yep, that's one hundred percent. I mean, analytically <laughs> driven, he's fucking inefficient as hell. But I, I, I absolutely love this guy. Like, he's gonna be a star. I, there's no way around it. He, yeah. He's I'm with you on that. I do think that he might be somebody that I'm going to fade early in the year because he was rough early in the season last year. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think that, that, you know, him and Bledsoe, as long as they're both there, uh, he might not get as big of a role as everybody sort of expects of him. Yeah. Um, Who else on this team intrigues you? Oh, man, this team is is fun. I mean, you got TJ Warren had an incredible season. I think Marquise Chris has a lot of upside for what he is. I love Alex Lynn. I mean, this is a team stacked full of DFS guys. That's it really so funny. Is. I have I have those three names all written down as well. Yeah. I, I like all three for this season. They're unbelievable, man. I mean, it's it's a really fun team to watch. Like I like we we've talked about this. I love bad basketball. I love the damn Phoenix Suns. They're wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch. You, you mentioned the pace earlier. They play fast. They don't play defense. That's Vince's kind of ball. That that's that's my basketball. <laughs> Play as I, fast as you can and don't put a hand in anybody's face. Just let them shoot. It's fine. I would say of the three, Chris is probably my favorite guy, the guy that I find the most intriguing. 
He averaged roughly one made three, one steal, and one block per night last year, despite only playing 21 minutes a game. He should definitely get closer to 30 minutes per game this season, I would think, and he just offers a ton of upside, I think, in all the peripheral statistic categories. So uh, he's somebody that I definitely will have my eye on this year. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I mean, when talking about DFS, I think he's obviously the cheaper option of the two, but I think TJ Warren's much safer. I think TJ Warren's shot volume was always there. Um, he's not the best rebounder. Obviously, he's not in a position to pull down a ton of boards, but I think TJ Warren was almost, I mean, obviously outside of Booker towards the end of the season when he was crushing, but Warren was the safest guy there for a hot minute. And I, I, I really, really appreciated that from a DFS. Now he got really expensive towards the end of the season, but when he was like 5.7 to 6.2 for like a month, I mean, it was just plug and play right. every single night. He was also playing like 40 minutes a night at the end and, of the year with all their, Guys that were out. No, for sure. But I just, uh, he's the guy that I'm most scared of just because of the fact that they brought in Josh Jackson. That's a really good point, for sure. Definitely. But I see, I also see Josh Jackson playing out there at the two quite a bit with with Booker running the the ball. Well, yeah, that all goes with, we need to get Eric Bledsoe out of town. You should write a letter, man. (laughs) You should write a letter. I might. (laughs) Um, Josh, Josh Jackson's my X factor. I'm really not banking on a ton from him this year. Uh, I think that his jump shot needs a, a lot of work. But if he does get out on the court and see minutes, I think he's going to be a peripheral stats monster. I think he's a you know a, a plus rebounder, defender. I think he's going to do everything but score the ball this season, um, which doesn't leave a ton of fantasy usability for him. But if his shooting is better than expected, I, I could see him being... Uh, interesting. He's definitely more of a long-term asset, in my opinion, than somebody I'm looking to play this year. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I definitely think he has upside, but I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a guy that I go, you know, I don't go to that well very often this season. I don't, I don't see it unless injuries happen, obviously, but my X factor is, is, is your least favorite of the group. I think TJ Warren, I think he's, he's primed to even get better this season with a, with a full roster. Um, I don't think he's going to have to handle the load as much. And I feel like that's actually good for him. Um, maybe, I mean, he might take a step back DFS wise, but I think as an NBA player, as a role player on this team, I feel like he takes a step forward this season. All right. One last hot take to end the podcast. Devin Booker's an all-star. Wow. That's a very hot take given how, given how many, uh, guys have come to the West this season. Yeah. Uh, this is, maybe this isn't even that hot of a take. This goes right along with what you were saying earlier. To me, this is my fantasy team MVP. They play no defense, they play fast, and they have a lot of young, intriguing offensive pieces where maybe they can keep games closer this season. I think that we're going to be targeting the Suns just at an unrelenting pace in DFS. I think that they're going to be that good of a matchup this season. I feel like I, I number. Let me preface it. I completely agree with you. I feel like the Nets are in very similar situations because they play at a high pace. They don't play defense, and they just got a little bit better. So maybe they'll hang around. So I think these two teams. Obviously, we're picking players from them, but we're obviously taking players against them too, for sure. Right. And the big X factor for that take, at least, is Tyson Chandler because he's another guy to me that makes no sense to play on this roster. So I would I would I don't know if you can trade him, but I would try to get rid of him too, because their two best defenders are Bledsoe and Chandler, and if those guys go, then it's just going to be an all out oh my god explosion on this just team. a dumpster fire yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be so bad if those two guys go so, so bad that's what I'm really rooting for is that we got to get those guys out of town I might start a fantasy pe- uh, petition. <laughs> 
I'm going to sign it for you. I'm <laughs> definitely going to sign it for you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this NBA edition of On the Daily. For Vince, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake, I'm Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Road of His Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Road of His Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Factory.